Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. People came with their sacrifice. You know, Calvary Chapel, where you at? And they would... The priest would examine the sacrifice and look at the animal and see if there's any spot or blemish. And if there was no spot or blemish or broken bones, then he would say, to tell us die. It is finished. It's complete. It's good. This word was used by a painter when he had his last stroke on a portrait. Finally, it was used by a merchant when a business transaction was paid in full. When Jesus gave himself on the cross and paid our debt, saints, he paid it in full. Are you glad about it? He paid it in full. He paid it in full. Now listen, in the Greek tense, this really reads really interesting. In the Greek tense, it reads like this. It has been finished. It stands finished and it will always be finished. It has been finished, it stands finished, and it will always be finished, never to be improved upon or almost finished or pretty much finished. You glad about that? There's nothing you can do to add payment. No religious act can make you better. In the sight of God, giving to the March of Dimes doesn't make you better. Giving to the Salvation Army during the holidays when they stand outside Walmart. Amen. I went to Walmart the other day without incident. Praise the Lord. I'm telling y'all, y'all know I told you every time I go to Walmart, there's an incident. I don't go to Walmart because I'm trying to keep my Christian witness. Y'all say, go and preach, Pastor. I'm trying to keep my witness. Every time I go to Walmart, something happens. Somebody hit me with a cart. I'm like, why you hit me with a card? Because I felt like it. Now I've got to lose my witness. (laughs) Amen. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. So none of this giving or anything can add to to Tetelestai. That's what I'm trying to tell you. When it is finished, it is finished. Don't you love it? Jesus said, it's finished, not you're finished. I love that. He said, it's finished, not you're finished. He could have said, you're finished. When you sin, he could have said, you're finished. He said, it's finished. What's finished? Every prophecy fulfilled is finished. Redemption is completed. The work that he came to do is finished. The sin bearing that has been accomplished 
cup drank to the dreads. The righteous requirements of the law have been performed. God's love has been portrayed perfectly. The stronghold of the devil has been broken. The telestai is done, paid in full. After Jesus, look at verse 30. After Jesus received the sour wine and let out a great cry of victory, because by the way, that wasn't a cry of defeat. That was a cry of victory. I need two saints to say amen. A great cry of victory. Then he bowed his head and he gave up the spirit. Now, all four Gospels tell us that he gave up the spirit. Luke 23, 46. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He breathed his last breath and then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Listen, understand something. Jesus was in full control of death. Do you understand Jesus controlled death? Jesus died only, all caps, bold, highlight, underscore, Jesus died only when he commanded death to take his life. Unlike us, death could not take him apart from his own will. Verse 30 tells us he gave up his spirit. This is so interesting in the Greek language. Listen, the idea he gave up, here's the idea. He pillowed his head. I told you I want a pen. He pillowed his head. In other words, he just kind of laid it down. He yielded his spirit. You know, sometimes we buy into the Hollywood version of this, don't we? When Jesus died on the cross, the Hollywood version, Jesus is up on the cross. And he says, you know, Father, why has thou forsaken me? He sounds like Batman. He said that really bad version of Batman, the last one. What was it? I think it was the last one. That was a bad version of Batman. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. (laughs) And then when he dies and he breathes his last breath and he dies and he just goes, he goes, you know, in every Hollywood movie, you got to have a cough before you die. So he's a father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Then he goes, You know, and then he slumps over, you know, and his head, you know, his head goes, hey. You know what I mean? That's, that, that's the Hollywood version of it. Listen, that is, that, 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 that can't be right. That's not in the, the original text. It doesn't even read that way. It reads that he said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last breath and he pillowed his head. Peacefully yielded. He bowed his head, laying down like like on a pillow. Jesus died because he said, death, you may take me now. There's no such thing as an unexpected death for Jesus. Somebody needs to say amen right there. Death couldn't lay one hand on Jesus until all is fulfilled. In verse 31 through 37, we just read it. Now, when the Romans crucified, listen. You would put a nail through each wrist and then you would kind of overlap the feet and put a nail through the feet. And it was obviously very difficult to breathe. So you had to try to kind of pull yourself up to kind of get a breath. So sometimes they would then come with a mallet and break the femur, literally take the mallet and just start whacking at your femur and shatter it into pieces, which was actually an act of mercy because then you would die quicker. Because you don't have the strength of your femur muscles to pull you up so that you can get a breath of air. So you would suffocate and die even quicker, even 
And they did this so that you would die before the evening sacrifice or before the evening Passover. Deuteronomy 21, 22, and 23 says, if a man has committed a sin deserving of death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain there over on the tree overnight, but you shall surely bury him that day so that you do not defile the lamb which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance for he who is hanged is accursed of God. So verse 32, Pilate gave permission to break their legs. They broke the legs of the first and then the other. Look at verse 33. But when they came to Jesus, what saints? He was already dead. And they did not break his legs. Verse 34. But one of the soldiers took a spear and thrust it in his side and blood and water came out. We're going to come back to that. Listen, if a commanding officer, look at me. If a commanding officer gave you an order to go break legs, what do you think you ought to do? you go break legs. And if you don't go break legs, then they will break your legs. So the soldier comes to Jesus and he had already been dead. And he then takes his razor sharp spear and he sticks it into his side just to be sure that he's dead. And two great cleansing elements come out, blood and water. This spear, listen, didn't just pierce his side. It opened his side. What you mean, Pastor? I really believe that when that Roman soldier stuck that spear in, I believe he twisted it and opened his side. And the reason I believe that, because John chapter 20, Jesus comes walking through the wall and he says, Thomas, take your fingers and put them into my hand and take your whole hand and put it into my side. And don't be doubting, but believing. See, I think that soldier put that spear in and then he twisted it to be sure that he was dead. When the spear went in, blood and water came out, which tells us that the soldier stuck the spear along the rib cage into the heart. Medical people, you know this. There is a sac around your heart called the pericardium. Are y'all listening to this? There's a sac around your heart called the pericardium. In that sac is water. The soldier probably took the spear, stuck it in, it went along his rib cage and up piercing the pericardium. And when he pulled it out, blood and water came out. Verse 36 and 37 tell us these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. Bible students, write this in your margins. Psalm 3420. Psalm 34:20 that the scriptures might be fulfilled. They didn't break Jesus' legs for two reasons. Number one, to fulfill scripture and prophecy. Well, there's a scripture concerning the Passover lamb. Y'all stay with me in Numbers chapter 9 concerning the Passover lamb in, in verse 12 that says they shall not leave none of it until morning. Talking about the lamb that was brought for sacrifice. It shall not leave none of it until morning, nor break one of its bones. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. The sacrificial lamb could not have one bone broken to be acceptable. And if Jesus had one bone broken, listen to me, you could throw your Bible away. That's a bold statement to make. This sermon that I'm preaching right now will go on many radio stations. 
Not only that, but the countless numbers of people who download sermons on the internet, listen to the podcast, hundreds of thousands of people will hear this. I will say this boldly. If one bone was broken on Jesus, you could throw your Bible away and Christianity would be meaningless. Why? Because the Passover lamb could not have one bone broken. If the Passover lamb had one bone broken, that lamb was an unacceptable lamb. Jesus was an acceptable sacrifice. Somebody need to clap their hands and say amen. If one bone was broken, then that would make God a liar. And we serve a God who cannot lie. I'm waiting till you clap your hands there. In order to be that perfect lamb, in order to be that perfect Passover lamb, he could not have one bone broken. Also, not only scripture, but prophecy. Christianity 101. Listen, if you don't know this, this is important. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. And it shall be in that day that I, the Lord, will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. And then, saints, watch this. They will look on me, Jesus, whom they have pierced. This is a great verse for your Jewish brothers and sisters who do not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. You may ask them, say, Tell me one person in your history that hung on a cross, that bones were not broken, because they know the scriptures, bones were not broken, and that had their side pierced. Name me one. They can't. There is, not, there is one, and the one is Jesus, which then tells us that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is their Messiah. This, listen, this is even more proof that Jesus was dead. There are people, and you know this, there are people who come up with these crazy stories and theories and uh, trying to disregard and disprove the resurrection. And you know, I've shared some of them with you. And they are ridiculous. Um, uh, many, many stories. Uh, here's just two of them, they, uh, theories. Uh, they, they have this one theory uh, called the wrong tomb theory, the wrong tomb theory. In other words, they don't believe that Jesus rose again, that somehow uh, when they went to get the body of Jesus, they went to the wrong tomb. Um, that's stupid. Can I say that's stupid? For no? I, I guess I just did. Uh, that, that's just stupid, okay? Not only is this stupid, but that just doesn't make sense. I mean, think about it. If you bury someone on Friday night, you mean you forgot where you put grandma on Sunday morning? <laughs> That doesn't make sense, okay? It just doesn't make sense. And then there's this theory called he was drug theory or the drug theory. And this theory says that Jesus really didn't die, that he was drugged and they just passed out and then he revived in the cool of the tomb and somehow in his beaten, broken, scourged, bloody, beyond all recognition, weary body, Somehow he moved a 200 pound stone that was rolled in front of the tomb and got it over just enough to get his little skinny body out of there and, and go hide somewhere. So when they came to find him, he wasn't there. That is stupid. Again, 
The Romans, listen, the Roman executioners were trained men and they knew who was dead and who was alive. And the greatest proof that Jesus was dead is them. (laughs) Think about that. The greatest proof that Jesus was dead is the Roman soldiers, is the Roman executioners. They weren't Christians. They didn't have anything to hide. They didn't have anything to prove. They were simply doing their job and making sure that Jesus was flat lying. But just to make sure, because it was so strange that he would die so soon, a soldier rammed the spear deep into his side. Listen, go back to verse 35, because I think it's really, really powerful, and I want you to see this. John says, I was watching, and I'm telling you the truth, that you might, not, that you might believe that John is 90 years old, moved by the Spirit, to record the things that happened this day, and they are forever etched in his mind. He will never forget it. John says, I'm telling you the truth because I want you to believe. John says, I was there. I saw it with my own two eyeballs. I saw them break the legs of the first and the second on the cross. I saw them put a spear in his side because there was no need to break his legs. I saw the blood and the water come gushing out. I saw prophecy fulfilled. John says, I saw it. I witnessed it. And I say it that you might believe. And the question is, do you? Believe that is. John wrote his gospel. If you were with me day one, I told you that John wrote this gospel for one simple purpose. Go with me, John chapter 20, and look at verse 30. Just one chapter over, simple. Here is why John wrote. Somebody ask you, why did John write the gospel? You take them to John 20, verse 30 and 31. Here is why John wrote. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in verse 30 in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may do what, saints? Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. John wrote so that you would believe. That was his whole purpose in writing. And John says, I know what I'm saying because I saw it. This is not secondhand information. I didn't get this from a friend who told a friend who told a friend who told a friend who told me. John says, I saw it and my witness is true and I'm not lying. Look at verse 38. In verse 38, after this, Jesus, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. And so he came and he took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds, and they took the body of Jesus, and they bound it in strips of linen with spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury now. In the place where he was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because the Jews preparation day for the tomb was nearby. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have two interesting men that step into the picture that we know a bit about Joseph of Arimathea or Joseph who is from Arimathea. Arimathea is 25 miles north of Jerusalem. Joseph of Arimathea was a secret, what I like to call a secret agent Christian. Like some of y'all. 
And, and, and amen. I don't even know where that came from. In other words, he didn't want anybody to know he was a Christian. So he put, stop. So you put the Gospels together, and we learn that he was rich. He was devout. He was a good guy. He was righteous, a member of the Sanhedrin, who had believed in Jesus Christ. But because he didn't want to become unsynagogued, don't you remember what I told you unsynagogued meant? Unsynagogued means what? Excommunicated. Very good. He did not want to be excommunicated or unsynagogued, so he followed at a distance. Luke tells us he did not consent to the council to crucify Christ. He was an honorable judge in the court of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is a supreme court. It's like the high court. The Talmud, which is a Jewish writing, said that there were only 14 honorable counselors in the Sanhedrin, and Joseph of Arimathea being one of them. We are told that he looked for the kingdom of God. We know that he looked for the kingdom of God because he owned a tomb in Jerusalem. Listen to me. It is a new tomb. That's how we know that is a fact that he looked for the kingdom of God because he had a tomb not in Arimathea where his family lives, but he had a tomb in Jerusalem because he wanted to be near the action. When Jesus came back, I guess he said, I, if I'm, we're going to be raptured, I want to be raptured from Jerusalem, not from Arimathea. Somebody say amen. You'll get that on the way home. So he has a tomb. And having a tomb, listen, we know that he was rich because he had a tomb, and having a tomb, and a large tomb, by the way, um, was very expensive. You needed to have Oprah money to have a large tomb like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm just trying to put the cookies on the shelf where the kids can get them, all right? You need to have Oprah money to have a, a, a tomb uh, the size of a tomb that he had. It was a large carved tomb, expensive, man hours to carve that tomb. You know, I recently heard this story of this man and his wife and the mother-in-law. They went on a trip to Jerusalem. And while they were there, the mother-in-law passed away. Well, the undertaker told them, he said, you can have her shipped home for $5,000 or you can have her buried right here in the Holy Land for $150. Well, the man thought about it and he told him, he said, you know, I'll just have her shipped home. Well, the undertaker said, well, why would you spend $5,000 to ship your mother-in-law home when she could be buried right here in the Holy Land for $150. He said, well, I heard a long time ago a man died here and was buried, and three days later he rose again, and I can't take any chances. So. Usually, a man would have a tomb in his hometown with so he can be buried with his family. So he can be buried with his father, with his family, entombed with them so he could be with them. But Joseph wanted to be entombed in Jerusalem. And so he buys a tomb in a garden. I'll tell you more in just a minute. Look at verse 39. Tells us that Nicodemus, who came to Jesus at night. Now, you know your Bibles, don't you? John chapter 3, it was Nicodemus who came to Jesus at night. Amen. Should I do it? 
Should I do it? Nick at night. Anyway, John, John chapter 7, Nicodemus complains about the judgment that they're using to kill Jesus, and he takes some heat from the chief priest, and he backs off. But somehow, listen, here's where the story gives good. Somehow, these two secret agent Christians, they realized that they had a common conviction about this prophet from Nazareth. Keep in mind, they had been through the three hours of darkness. When it went dark, it went dark all over, and nobody turned the lights on. Think about it. People are feeling their way around, looking for flashlights, and the Romans recorded, this is a historical thing, the Romans recorded this three hours of darkness and they called it an eclipse. So these two great leaders experienced the darkness. They experienced the earthquake and the veil being torn in the temple. There are things that take place that everybody knows about. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.